0: I'll invite you to remain standing for the reading of Scripture, which comes to us out of the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and we will read verses 1 through 12. John 14, beginning in verse 1, the words of Jesus say, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I not been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as Scripture is read, as Word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we begin a new worship series. It's a series for Lent, and it's uh, based on a study written by the Reverend Mike Slaughter entitled, Renegade Gospel. The Rebel Jesus. Now I want you to approach this series and listen each week with open minds and open hearts to what you hear. Some of the language describing Jesus has been there for generations, but sometimes we have chosen not to use those to describe Jesus. But we are going to look at who Jesus really is, the way that he is described in the Gospels, and what that means for each of us. And so we will go through renegade gospel throughout this season of Lent. But first I want us to start out by developing a mental image of Jesus. When you think of Jesus, what's the first image that comes to mind? I have a few images to show you, and perhaps some of these are uh, what comes to mind. So let's take a look at the first image that may come to mind. This is called the laughing Jesus. I love that picture because I know that Jesus laughed. Whenever God looks at some of, our, uh, some of his creation, how can he help but laugh, right, Roy? <laughs> I love the laughing Jesus. Let's take a look at the next one. This was a picture released that is thought to be the most accurate historical representation of what the image of the face of Jesus might actually have looked like. Can we validate that? No. But it creates a mental image for us, perhaps unlike any other. This is called the historical Jesus. And i got one more that you might just recognize. So let's take a look at the last one. Do you recognize this one? This is called the face of Christ. The face of Christ. Perhaps it's a picture that, that you've had hanging in your wall. Perhaps you've seen it hanging around this church and other churches for, for centuries. This is perhaps what comes to mind and pops up whenever you think of the picture or the image of Jesus and that's not a bad thing this is the first thing that came into my mind upon reading this when asked to think of the first image of Christ that I could come up with this is actually the one that I also came up with if I was to answer this question and and granted I had a little bit more time to answer it than than all you did uh, because I knew I was asking the question but this was my answer Jesus was the neatly pressed, nice-smelling, charismatic, and loved perfect Savior. He never did anything wrong and was everyone's favorite teacher and preacher. He was God's Son who died, there's the image of that cross again, and rose again because He loved me. Nothing says boring Feel good Sunday school Jesus like that, does it? The benign white male with shiny long hair, red lips, a big heart on his chest. Maybe... This is somewhat similar to your earliest picture of Jesus. And if you had more time to flush out what your answer would be, maybe it would be similar to that, or maybe it would be 180 degrees for that. For, but for me, that image of Jesus was enough to sustain me, it was enough to keep me going, it was enough to keep me wanting more. Maybe for you, that is enough to have kept you wanting more. But perhaps many of you are, 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 or at least you know somebody, even, are similar to the author of our series, who this was not enough. The face of Christ painting and everything that comes along with that thought was not enough. It wasn't enough to keep his attention. It wasn't enough to spark his desire to want more. It wasn't enough to keep him in church. This is a quote that uh, he writes, and I think, and I want to share it with you today. Mike Slaughter says. Only a handful of people at my childhood church demonstrated a passionate enthusiasm about Jesus that made an impact on how they lived their lives that was noticeable enough to mark them as different in my eight-year-old eyes. Hello? As a result, I saw Jesus as no more than that head of Christ painting that hung on the church wall. Hardly a real person at all, much less a radical or a rebel instead of being disciples who demonstrate an undiluted devotion to Jesus as Lord, we have domesticated and watered down Jesus' true identity. Wow. Maybe you can identify with this or you know somebody who can, maybe you can't. But here is what I want us to see today. I don't want that to define me and my ministry, and I know we do not want that to define us as this church. Somebody say amen. Amen. This series is for all of us who want to know Jesus on a personal level, not just as an acquaintance, not just as a picture on the wall, or someone that we just know about and read about. This series is for those who want to experience Jesus with firsthand application, not just passive learning, not just hearing a message and then going about our business or reading a scripture and then not letting it sink in or doing anything about it. This is for those who want to be in the game for every play and, not just, and, and, and also to make the commitment to do so instead of sitting and watching from the sidelines or being content with riding the bench. And so we have to ask ourselves today, is this me? Do I want to know Jesus like this? Do I want this experience with Jesus? Folks, listen to this. This sink in. Discipleship doesn't begin with our professions of faith. Discipleship doesn't begin whenever we speak the magic words, whether it be at confirmation, whether it be a time we came to the front when the pastor called for the invitation, whatever the case may be, Discipleship does not begin with our profession of faith. Discipleship begins with our commitment to journey with Jesus. Are you with me? Discipleship begins with our commitment to journey with Jesus. For the sake of this series... I want us to start by clearing the picture that we have of Jesus. Let's clear it and begin with a fresh slate. And together we're going to work to paint a new picture of Jesus this Lenten season. And who's not to say it may come out to be similar to the picture we have. But hopefully we will all have a little bit of something different in our picture of Jesus at the end of this series. So in order to paint this picture, we are going to return to the source, the gospel. We are going to encounter a Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that bears no resemblance to the fairy tale Jesus we may have heard about in Sunday school. The portrait of, of the Jesus that emerges is going to become that of a daring and dangerous radical The real Jesus was pro-love, pro-peace, yet unafraid to challenge the hypocritical religious status quo of the day, regardless of the consequences. And we know the consequences, don't we? It cost Him a cross. We're going to look through the Gospels, and we're going to answer these questions. How is Jesus, as presented in the Gospels, different from my initial perspective or my perception? And what is Jesus calling us to be and do because of it? Those are the questions we're going to answer in this series. So let's start first by unpacking who Jesus is. Let's discover Jesus again for the very first time. Jesus was a member of a marginalized and persecuted minority. He spent the first two years of his life as a refugee in Africa due to the campaign of genocide initiated by King Herod. His mission was seen as heretical by the religious correct, and subversive by the Roman political forces that occupied Palestine. (laughs) Jesus is frequently identified by four names throughout Scripture, four identities that are both compelling and challenging. We're going to look at those four identities today. The first one is this, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. This means He carries the genetic code, the DNA, the very essence of God the Father. Jesus is a chip off the old block, serving as a a visible picture of God, of a God who would otherwise be invisible. Jesus Is the exact representation of God's being and the living expression of the Father's heart. This is my favorite way to describe it. Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus took religion out of the temple and made it accessible to all people. Have you ever noticed that all of his sermons, except for one, all of his sermons took place outside on hillsides, on riverbanks, on mountainsides, in homes and even in boats? Have you noticed that? In fact, There's only one time offhand that I can think of that we can come across in scripture that Jesus actually preached in the temple and that's when he was 12 years old. And he held that group of priests' attention like nobody's business at 12 years old. Jesus was boldly demonstrating that a building was not and is not required to know the Father. But he... Was the only way we could truly know God. And you know something, sisters and brothers? To this day, Jesus is the only way that we can truly know God. His proclamation in John 14:6 backs that up. It's one of the most quoted scriptures of all time. Perhaps it's some of your favorites. Perhaps it's one that you have quoted yourself. And I want you to listen closely today. Because we're going to talk about this verse for a, 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 a few seconds. But I want you to listen. Far too often, we religious folks use this proclamation as a fence. We use it as a border to define who is in and who is out. But I do not believe that this was the way Jesus designed this quote or this message he was preaching this day to work. I do not believe that was Jesus' intent here. What Jesus was saying was that We will never know the love of God as a parent, as a father, except through Him. We will never know the love of God as a father except through Jesus. Through Jesus... God no longer appears as a holy and untouchable judge, but is instead the ultimate parent who loves us powerfully and intimately. Jesus is saying that the only way to experience and know the pure, unconditional, unwavering, never-failing, and undeserved love and grace of God as Father is through me. That's what I think Jesus is saying. The second identity of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of Man. This is often how we hear Jesus refer to himself. Throughout scripture. You have heard it was said. The son of man. Dot dot dot. If Jesus as son of God. Reveals God the father. Then. Jesus as son of man. Enables us. To see our true selves. Our. Child of God selves. We can begin to see. Ourselves as God does and embrace our own value, embrace our own possibilities, and embrace our own potential. So much, so much of institutional Christianity involves a denial or demeaning of our humanness. Too often in the church, we focus on escaping the corrupted flesh and, and going to heaven. We live as if we are trudging through life begrudgingly, that this world is just a journey that we have to take and we have to stomp our way through it while awaiting our opportunity for a heaven later. But in doing so, friends, we forget to live the life that Jesus promised us now. We forget to live the life that Jesus says we should be living abundantly now. Hello? Jesus, as Son of Man, was born as a vulnerable baby. God thought you and I were so incredible that He came to live a life as one of us. As one of us. Jesus calls us, therefore, to embrace the possibilities of what it means to be human beings. We shouldn't be trudging through this life as if it's something we have to do. We should be gliding through it as if we get to do it. Because God Himself, through Jesus, chose to come and do it with us. Hello? This is what Jesus is saying in verse 12. He is saying, Don't waste your life don't be afraid, step out, take risk. Jesus, the Son of Man, calls us to celebrate life as a holy gift. To celebrate life as a holy gift. How are we doing that today? The third identity. Jesus is servant of all. Jesus is servant of all. This is compelling, as is a reminder that in serving Jesus' radical plan of, of loving the, the world, we can experience God and the transformation of our lives that God brings. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to Serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The kingdom that the rebel Jesus represents is in stark contrast to a secular culture that spreads the destructive myths of materialism. Therefore, follow Jesus and we serve God's purposes life begins to explode with meaning. (laughs) Life becomes worth living living abundantly because of Jesus. The fourth and final identity this morning Jesus is Savior of the world. Jesus is Savior of the world. Jesus as Savior and peacemaker came so that we and the world might have the opportunity to experience true peace. I don't know how you feel, but I know that I need the true peace that Jesus brings and the true peace that can come only from God through Jesus. If any of you are like me, you feel a sense of, of, of overwhelming, sometimes blinding, blinding outrage whenever you hear about the persecutions of Christianity today. Do you not? How many of us just want to burn our teeth and say, why? Why can't we live in peace Why does some power-hungry ruler across the world think it's okay to invade a country and kill innocents just for power, prestige, and for blind meaning? I have had moments in which every cell of my body fries out for good old-fashioned, Old, old Testament-style judgment. An eye for an eye-type judgment. Any of you ever been with me? Anybody in your life, you ever just say, boy, I wish we lived in the Old Testament. It's okay, to not it? We come across those every single day. you like me and say, the Old Testament upon you, troublemaker. <laughs> I know what that means. They probably don't have a clue, but that's all that matters. But sisters and brothers, listen to me. Praise be to God that we have Jesus as Savior and peacemaker in our lives to pull us up short. Jesus reminds us that God demands none of my blood... For my failures. Jesus reminds us that God demands none of my blood for my screw-ups. And none of my blood for my sin. Instead, through the rebel Jesus, God offered His own blood in place of mine. For my screw-ups. For my sin. And for my mistakes. Hello? Because of that, you and I can deeply experience that peace that comes from God which surpasses all understanding. Folks, I want you to hear this. Jesus did not come to this world to start a religion. Jesus did not come to start a religion. I doubt He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to start this thing called Christianity because it's named after me. And it is going to be the next big thing. I do not think Jesus said that. Instead, the rebel Jesus came with a renegade gospel to start a revolution. A revolution that would be propelled by a countercultural community of people in this world. And you know what? We are all part. Of that countercultural community. And we continue to be. And you and I are invited to be a crucial part of what it means to spread this renegade gospel, started by the rebel Jesus, that was freely offered to all people for our screw-ups, for our sin. It should be blowing your mind right now (laughs) about what Jesus truly did. That, my sisters and brothers, is Jesus, the rebel Jesus. Next week... We're going to continue looking at the renegade gospel and look at what it means then to, after we have discovered who Jesus is, then to live a lifestyle defined by the revolution that Jesus started. But today, we go forth to ponder what it is that we have discovered about Jesus and to paint the first strokes of that mental image, that new mental image of Jesus in our minds. And we'll come back next week to paint a few more strokes. This is the gospel message. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.